Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Well, hey, it's been said that life is not measured in time, but life is measured by moments. Life isn't measured by time, but life is measured by moments. And if you were to reflect on that, it's probably true for most of us. I don't know how many of you remember every moment or detail that took place even yesterday, much less this past week, let alone this past month, or further out, even this past year. How many of you remember all those, those moments? Probably none of us. But if we were to, to say, hey, what, what are some things that stood out, we could probably recount some of those. In fact, it was uh, last week, we were with some family over Thanksgiving, and I got to see my niece, who I hadn't seen in several months. And I said, well, Alyssa, what's, what do you celebrate? Like, what are some of your favorite moments since last time we got the chance to see you? And she recounted moments where she got the keys to her new apartment. Uh, she recounted a moment whenever she uh, got to bring home this new puppy dog and, and this reality of going to a, a, a foster family. I didn't know you could foster dogs, but apparently you can. And she went to this foster family and found this dog. And it was amazing, amazing moment, a joyful moment. Uh, my parents recounted moments following my mom's surgery and how the process has taken longer and been more painful than expected and all God was teaching them through some, some difficult moments. Uh, we relive, we remember moments, not necessarily all the details of our life and therefore in a very real sense, life is measured by moments, not just by, by time. I remember a moment a couple weeks ago whenever we got a text from Michelle Rock letting us know that uh, Noni Noble had passed away, a seasoned saint who's dearly loved, not only by the central family, but uh, the kingdom loved Noni Noble, and now she inherits her reward. My mind flashed in that moment to moments with Noni. Whenever she would look me in my eye, she was in her 90s, you know, and so her, you know, that, that little finger in my face, and Tim, you remember, you're not here by accident. You're here by appointment. God has called you. Don't let anything deter you from the call of God that he's placed on your life. Thanks for being faithful to the call he's placed on your life. I remember that moment. Those are moments I'll cherish. Those are moments that mark me. Those are divine moments. Uh, this past week, I had some moments. I don't remember every detail of the week, but I remember a moment when I had to go to the dentist and get a crown uh, put in my tooth. And I remember that... And the smell of like burning tooth or whatever that fragrance is, that is awful. A traumatizing moment. If your dentist gives you gas, let me know his name. And I'll go to him next time. But uh, a moment that, that, that marked me. I remember a moment uh, early one morning this week as I was out for a walk. I took a different route than I normally take. And I, I captured this picture. A moment of, of just seeing God's creation and the silhouette of a California palm tree and a, a Catholic church with the silhouette of the steeple reminding me of God's goodness and God's grace in the big moments, also in the little moments of life. And as I thought about this moment, the first service of Christmas 2023, my mind flashed to the very first Christmas. And I have one key thought for you today. And the moment you hear it, my hope is that God begins to stir something in your heart, in your mind. Maybe this would be a divine moment for you. And here's the big idea for today. Here's the, the bottom line. You have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. You and I, we have no idea 
what God can do through one moment of obedience. The title of this message is Moments When Obedience is Hard. Moments when obedience is just not, it's just not easy. But there'll be moments that you'll face, moments that I'll face, when obedience, we want to live that life, a life that pleases God. Uh, but those moments lead to some very challenging circumstances, some very challenging decisions. So with that in mind, let's stand in honor of God's word. We're going to read today's passage as well as the theme verse for the week. So if you would, in, in honor of God's word, stand to your feet with me. As we read this, uh, you might be thinking, Tim, where's your ugly sweater? Uh, well, my ugly sweater is, is a little bit distracting. I can't take myself serious while I wear that, much less I wouldn't expect you to take me serious while I wear that. So I'll be wearing it after service, but that's where it is. Uh, the theme verse for this Christmas season, uh, we'll be reading this every, every week uh, throughout this Christmas season. It's part of the message that the angel Gabriel delivered to Mary, the mother of Jesus, that first Christmas. And, uh, and the message that the Lord gave Mary and the message that... I think partly God wants to remind you of today is this. Help me out with the red letter words. It's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. And it says this, just a reminder. For, for nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't say that there won't be challenges. It doesn't say that there won't be circumstances that feel uncomfortable. It does not say that everything will be blissful and blessings will ensue. But in the midst of puzzling seasons, in the midst of life's best moments, remember that nothing Nothing is impossible with God. And that first Christmas brought moments of unspeakable bliss and blessing. But that first Christmas brought moments of deep pain, deep, deep sorrow, very deep questions that first Christmas. But the first Christmas underscores this truth that you and I, we have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. Here's our passage we're going to look at today. Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 18, and it says this. Again, help me out with the red letter words. Uh, this is how, the, how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph. That's the guy we're going to talk about today, Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. Everybody say, uh-oh, uh-oh. That's not good. This is not good. She became pregnant. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, God, that in the moments of life that are very puzzling and very unsettling, moments of confusion, uh, moments when we don't really understand what you're up to, God, that you are still God and you still have a plan, you still have a purpose. And our, our, our responsibility is simply to be obedient to whatever you ask us to do. God, would you help us to leave this place encouraged to that end, to be more diligent and more dedicated to do whatever you ask us to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. As I've been praying about um, this service and I've been reading Christmas passages for, for weeks and months now and thinking about that first Christmas story, uh, you know, a lot of sermons and airtime is given to Mary and it should be because Mary is the mother of our Savior and that's tremendous. And we're going to talk about Mary in a couple weeks. But, but what about Joseph? Joseph was... Jesus's earthly father, Joseph, served as really Jesus's kind of stepdad. And uh, we don't really talk about Joseph very much, partly because we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. The Bible doesn't speak about the life of Joseph very much. We know a few things about Joseph from Scripture. Number one, we know that he was a carpenter. We know that he was a righteous man and a faithful 
man. We know that Joseph was a descendant of David, rightful heir of the throne. We know that Mary was Joseph's, uh, Joseph was Mary's husband. Uh, Jesus uh, was, he was Jesus' earthly father. And so Joseph uh, did all these things. We know all this from scripture, but outside of that, we don't really know a whole lot about the life of, of Joseph, but we do know that one moment of obedience from Joseph not only changed the trajectory of Joseph's life, but really impacts your life and my life today. We do see that, that Joseph was around in the early years of Jesus' life. Uh, the last time that Joseph is mentioned, Jesus is 12 years old. Uh, most uh, scholars believe that's about the time that Joseph likely passed away at a, at a premature death. We see that Jesus lived at home with his mother until the age of 30. Uh, that's not just because he was in the basement playing video games and had nothing better to do. Uh, in that culture, uh, the, the, the boys that were the oldest would stay at home, uh, take care of their widowed mother uh, until the age of 30. And then it was still the responsibility to take, take care of their mom. They just wouldn't stay in the same same house, they would begin to raise their own family in most circumstances, but Jesus obviously uh, got had other plans for, for him and his life. But later in Jesus' life, whenever he's older, we see even on the cross that uh, one of the, some of the last words of Jesus, he looks out as his mother Mary is seeing her son uh, hanging on the cross with deep compassion. Uh, Jesus looks at the disciple that he loved, this disciple named John, and said, basically, John, uh, this is my mom. I'm not going to be able to take care of her. So, John, I need you to take care of my mom. And church historians tell us that John did just that, that, that John and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were part of, they were members of the church of Ephesus, uh, where young Timothy, Paul's mentee, was the pastor. And so imagine the pressure of that, pastoring a church with uh, Jesus' mom in it and the apostle John, and that's, uh, that's a heavy weight. And I honestly feel that weight about some of you, like, dang, what do I have to say to, to them? Like, you should be up here uh, a lot of times uh, preaching and, and saying things that would bring spiritual health and encouragement, but, uh, but Jesus was looking after his mom, even on the cross, underscoring that, that Joseph wasn't around. But back to context of today's passage, it says that Mary and Joseph, they were engaged. Often when we think of engaged couples, uh, we think of people maybe in their 20s, people that are maybe in their 30s, or maybe in 40s, they're engaged to be married. But, but, but Mary and Joseph, most historians say that Mary uh, was probably 14 or 15 years old. Uh, at this time. And, and some scholars even say as young as 12 or 13 years old. So she is a very, very young, young lady. And so they're engaged, but they're not, not very seasoned in, in life just yet. A lot of times we think of engagement as like, well, yeah, you're, like, you're committed to the person, but like there's still time to, to break it off. Uh, I've done several weddings and uh, it's amazing how often um, in the bridal room where the bride's getting married, the grooms normally have their place, the bride's getting married. I'll be back there. Typically I go around and I pray for the bride and the groom before they come out to the wedding, see if, make sure everything's good, make sure they're feeling all right, any last minute changes. And you'd be amazed how often I hear the father of the bride say things like, if you want to run, there's still time. There's still time. Like, like you're committed, but like, you could still run. And, and like the father of the bride is typically willing to, to, to accommodate that. Uh, don't worry, Lynn, uh, that didn't happen, Arthur, uh, with Lynn. So Lynn's dad did not say that. So, uh, but imagine that, like, if, I never tell the, the, the husband that, because like, that would be a weird start. Like, she, her dad just said, like, she could break it off with you right now. That's how committed he is. But, uh, but thankfully, the, the women typically go through with the, 
the marriage. But, but in this culture, it wasn't just like you're engaged, but you can still run. No, it was a legally binding contractual marriage. So they like have official documents. They're, they're engaged to be married. As we're going to see in a moment, uh, Joseph makes this decision. They're engaged, but there's this word that is used in the Bible. Joseph decides to divorce her quietly. Why would he divorce her if they're not really married yet? Well, in this culture, it was a legally binding contractual marriage that has taken place. The only thing that hasn't taken place is they haven't consummated the marriage. They, they would not enjoy the gift of sexual relations until their public wedding ceremony. So they're, they're in every sense of, of our understanding of marriage, they're married, but they just have not had that part of their marriage relationship expressed yet. And so now Mary shows up. Joseph knows that he hasn't, but now Mary says, hey, Joe, um, I'm pregnant. And Joseph's like, well, it wasn't me. And Mary's like, I know, the Holy Spirit did this. How would you respond? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's how Joseph would have felt. Betrayed? Like this woman, the woman my dream, now you're lying to me about this? Like, I know how babies are made. And, and the Holy Spirit normally isn't part of that equation. Uh, he's never been in the past, nor will he be in the future. So if your spouse shows up with that, that story, it's probably not true. <laughs> and so Joseph has, has some choices here. He, this, is, this is a real, real life scandal. And we kind of, in our culture, we miss this a lot. Uh, but, but Mary, who Joseph loves, has disobeyed God. Totally, in his understanding, dishonored her family She's disgraced her husband, Joseph. Joseph would now be the laughingstock of the community. He would be an outcast. He, he would be shunned virtually by everyone he knows. It was considered such a horrible sin that according to Deuteronomy 22, Joseph has the choice to literally have Mary killed by, by rocking up pregnant when Joseph isn't the guy. And so what would happen is they would bring the, the community leaders together and Joseph would state his case as the pregnancy continues, like it's going to become more and more apparent that Mary is, Mary's pregnant. And Joseph's going to say, well, it's, I was married to, I'm engaged, but like I, I didn't have sex before our, our public ceremony. And so I don't know how she's pregnant. The city officials would render a decision. Obviously, she's had sex outside of marriage. And they would literally pick up stones and hurl them at the female until she is stoned to death. That is a choice that Joseph has in this scenario. A second choice that Joseph has, equally traumatizing, is that he could divorce her quietly and not make as big of a fuss about it. This would clear Joseph's name. But this choice would ruin Mary's life. This woman that he loves, this woman that he is ready to spend the rest of his life with. In that case, if, if Joseph divorces her, Mary would essentially have to spend the rest of her life selling her body to make ends meet. Because no man is going to marry her. She's going to be an outcast in society. And so Joseph has a decision to make, all of which will destroy Mary, who he Love. So Joseph's in a horrible, horrible place. Not only does he feel like the utter betrayal of this woman that he loves, but even his most gracious next step is sure to ruin her life. So what does Joseph do? Joseph does not realize that one of his lowest moments is about to become one of his holiest moments. Look at it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. It says this, as he considered this. Now, what's he, 
What's he considering? He's considering what Mary's done. He's considering the betrayal he feels. He's considering his options. Do I, do I have my, my bride who I love? Like, do I have her killed for what she did? Do I decide to divorce her? All of which is going to ruin her life. As he's considering all of this, as he's processing all of this, as he's, he's sitting in the emotion of the moment, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, in a dream. So he's at night sleeping, maybe a nap during the day, but he has a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Now, before we look at what Joseph does, I want to just underscore what he does not do. Joseph does not reason this one away saying, man, that must have been that kosher sausage I ate last night. Like, wow, that pita must have been bad. Like, what is going on? He does not argue with God saying, wait a minute. Like, God, after all, she did this to me. Why do I have to put my name on the line? He does not negotiate with God saying, God, if you send 10 angels all wearing ugly sweaters and holding a sign saying, like, this is really a message from God, then I'll believe it. He does not fight back. He does not ask for more details, which I probably would. I mean, if I say yes to this, then what about that and this and this? Here's how Joseph responds. Matthew 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. This is one of the greatest statements in all the Bible. I think a statement that we all hope is true of us. And at the end of our life, that this could be true of us, that, that we did what the Lord commanded. Joseph has that hanging over his banner. That, that's, that's, that's under his title. Joseph is a man that does what the Lord commanded. He was obedient, even when obedience was very, very difficult. Without understanding all the details, without knowing the cost of his obedience, Joseph provides for us today a principle that we too can live by. And here's the principle, and I hope you write it down. You don't have to understand completely until you, without obeying immediately. You don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You don't have to understand completely in order to obey immediately. We don't need all the details. We don't need to have everything ironed out. We don't need to know how, how everything plays out. We just need to know if God's asking you to do something in a moment, he's going to see it through to the end. And if God's in it, it's for your good. Because God is good and God does good. It's, it's part of who he is. Now, we have the luxury of knowing how Joseph, how, how this all plays out. Joseph puts his yes on the table and then, and then God's going to direct Joseph's life to a lot of unlikely places. Like Joseph says yes, but when he says yes, Joseph doesn't know that, that Herod, that, that Caesar Augustus rather, is going to issue a decree for, for a census to be taken. Joseph does not know that he's going to have to travel, watch this, a hundred miles with a woman who's nine months pregnant and they didn't have cars or airplanes. Like Joseph is going to go on this hike, basically. They might have had a donkey, maybe a camel, but from Nazareth to Bethlehem, if you do Google Maps search, like it's about a hundred, a <laughs> hundred miles with this chick who's nine months pregnant. I, I don't know if you've been around a lady that's nine months pregnant. It's beautiful. But a hike 100 miles is not necessarily top of the priority, but that's what Joseph signs up for. He did not know that this baby to be born would be born in a smelly barn. 
next to farm animals and the smell of farm animals. I mean, Joseph <laughs> has this dream, right? That, that this baby wasn't just any baby. It wasn't just an ordinary baby. He was born of a, a virgin. It's going to be the son of God. But you have to imagine as Joseph sees Mary, this woman he loves, give birth next to a whatever animal and the smells therein, he has to question, did I miss God? Like, surely this isn't the way God would come to earth. Joseph had no idea that there'd be kingmakers from the east that would visit them and deliver gifts only appropriate for royalty. Joseph had no idea that he would have to flee for his life and the life of the baby to a land of Egypt where he would stay there for a couple years. Joseph had no idea the weight of knowing that Mary and Joseph, as they hold baby Jesus, knowing that in their own town of Nazareth and the surrounding community, that, uh, that this baby would, would inject such insecurity into Herod that he would issue a decree for all boys, two years old and under, to be executed. He, he, Joseph feels the weight of people in his own community, likely his own family members, likely his neighbors, experiencing the excruciating grief of seeing their own boy executed right before their eyes. Joseph had no idea what his yes would lead to. And honestly, you and I don't either. But without knowing all the details, he obeyed immediately. And here's how it's going to work for you. There's going to come a point in time in your life. Maybe it's already happened for some of you, but for all of us, there'll be a point when God speaks to you. He's going to ask you to do something that is probably not on your radar. It, it might seem totally absurd, just as this probably seemed absurd to Joseph. And in that moment, you're going to have an opportunity. Do you obey what God has asked you to do? Or do you explain it away? Do you excuse it away? Do you reason it away? There's going to come a time. Maybe, maybe he's already spoken to you through through, through his word, maybe through a message, maybe tomorrow morning when you wake up and you open your Bible, it's going to be like, boom, that's, I'm supposed to do, that's a word for me. And in that moment, you're going to have a choice. He could tap you on the shoulder about a relationship. He could tap you on the shoulder and say, just remind you that, hey, you're never going to marry the right one as long as you stay with the wrong one. And you can reason away and say, well, but we've invested so much into this relationship. We've been together for these amounts of time. We've experienced this together. And in that moment, you can choose to obey or, or not. You, you, you know God has been stirring you to get involved, to, to use your time and your talents to, to serve. And, and you know that church isn't just something we go to, but, but, but you are the church. And together with our gifts and talents and abilities, we make up this thing that we call Central Christian Church. And, and he'll tap you on your shoulder, but you can reason it away and say, yeah, that's great, but I'm so, I'm so busy or he might prompt you to give, and, and you know every good and perfect gift is from God. You know he's entrusted to you times, talents, and resources. You know that, that you can never outgive God. You know he who sows generously will also reap generously. But sometimes whenever he drops a dollar amount into our hearts or into our minds, we can say, wow, I don't know how that's going to work. And in that moment, you can obey and experience a miracle or not. When someone betrays you, Maybe God pierces your heart and reminds you that you've been forgiven much, so you're called to forgive, and you have a choice to obey or not. But here's the reality. God's always speaking. God's always speaking. And if you're like me, sometimes that's a beautiful thing. Sometimes it's not. 
Because like I, a lot of times I want to hear from God, but honestly, just very transparent. Sometimes I don't because I know what he's going to ask me to do in that situation. And dang it, I don't want to do it, especially when it comes to like something hard, something gut-wrenching, something that's going to change the trajectory of the way I perceive my life to be. And you have the choice too. Whenever God's speaking, you have the choice to listen or to, we can close our ears and write it off as last night's pizza or something else. But whenever he speaks and you hear him, what do you do with that? When he speaks, you have a choice. Reason it away or do what Joseph does and just put your yes on the table and allow God to place the pin on the map. Give God your yes and let him figure out the rest. And here's what the life of Joseph teaches us in this Christmas season. I hope you write this down. Our obedience, obedience is our responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. In any situation, in any circumstance, obedience to what God's asked us to do, is that's my responsibility. The outcomes, what plays out after that, is really God's responsibility. And honestly, one of the greatest challenges for many of us in Christianity today is that we've been educated beyond our level of obedience. We know what God says about finances. We know what God says about relationships. We know what God says about marriage. We know what God says about, about honoring people in authority. We know what God's word says about work and, and how we should work as unto the Lord. We know, we know in pretty much any circumstance or situation that we can talk about, we know God's word speaks to that. But if we're honest, sometimes we get more educated beyond our ability to obey or we substitute education for obedience. And God never does that. Joseph didn't have all the details. Obedience to God would mean his dreams would have to shift. His life would never be the same. His life would forever be altered. This is obedience at a gut-wrenching level. But Joseph was obedient to what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Joseph was obedient because he knew obedience was his responsibility. The outcome was God's responsibility. Let's look at the outcome. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Check this out. For the child within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Miraculous conception. Verse 21, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Oh, sorry for those of you online. We missed it here in the room. But check this out. Here's what it says. Let me just read it one more time a little bit slower because this is. This is what Christmas is all about. This is why we give gifts at Christmas, because God at Christmas gave the ultimate gift and he gave it, he gave it for, for you. He gave it as a gift for, for, for me. Here, here it is. Let's, one more time. For, for the child within her was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard of such a thing? And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. Check it out. For he will save his people from their sins. And that's what we're celebrating, right? That's awesome. And that's the crux of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about. This wasn't an ordinary burst. This, this was miraculous, a holy, 
a holy moment, a holy birth. God, very God, came to earth, born of a virgin, a young teenage girl. God is so humble. He didn't come with fanfare. He didn't come with a parade. He didn't come in a rocket ship. He didn't come with pomp and circumstance. He was born in a barn next to farm animals by a young, vulnerable teenage girl and a very puzzled man. He worked as a carpenter alongside a humble man named Joseph. He lived a perfect life, sinless life, never, never faltered, never failed, never sinned, was falsely accused, brutally betrayed. And Jesus was obedient even to the point of death. When obedience was hard, Jesus was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why? Because Jesus was on mission to save his people from their sins. From the jump, we had no idea what God would do through a moment of obedience. That's worth celebrating. Not only did Joseph model this, but Jesus emulated this. The reality that you don't have to understand completely before you obey immediately. Joseph modeled that, but Jesus emulated that throughout his whole life. Before the cross, as Jesus is talking to the Father, he knows what's ahead of him. He knows he's about to bear the weight of your sin, your shame, your guilt on his shoulders, on the cross. That's the good news. But on the front end of that, Jesus says, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me because I don't really want to be obedient to what you're asking me to do. But God, nevertheless, not what I want. Let your will be done. Jesus didn't understand completely, but he obeyed immediately. You have no idea what God can do through a moment of obedience. Joseph's moment of obedience led to him becoming the father to the son of God. What an honor. You have no idea what God can do through a moment of obedience. Jesus was obedient to death, even death on the cross. And as a result, he provides the only way for you to have a real relationship with your creator, to bridge the gap between God and you, to me, to humanity. And today we can rejoice in that fact, knowing that Jesus has saved his people from their sins. Life is not measured in time, but life is measured by moments. And there will be moments when obedience is hard. But just remember, you have no idea what God can do just through one moment of obedience. No matter what he asks you to do, you can trust him in that moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being so faithful to us. God, thank you.